0: good morning and how do you do? Splendiferous and magnificent young man. How about yourself? I am doing fan-freaking-tastic. Well guys, welcome back to a very, very Saturday nostalgia-filled version of the Beards, Brews, and Bros podcast. (laughs) I am your host Jay Mossman with my co-host Mr. K. K-Robb.
1: Oh, it's a beautiful morning when I get to listen to listen to your voice, so why don't you let the folks in on uh, what we're going to be reviewing today, because we're going to start reviewing retro cartoons, and some of them you may have never even known existed.
0: You're exactly right, man. So today, guys, we're actually going to be discussing t- TV's 90s top dads. We're also going to be talking about top 90s cartoon theme songs, and of course, me and Kyle's going to be talking about our favorite Saturday cartoon lineups. And we're going to be talking about the four major networks back in the day, as well as a, starting a new segment called the Retro Rewind.
1: Yeah, I'm excited about that one because we're going to be picking out some uh, some tunes from from the good old '90s that you once again may have forgotten about or may have never even heard of, but you may the but the names may be very, very familiar. And what we got today is a Canadian cartoon based off of a 1990s obscure ea sports football game from the 16-bit days this one's going to be a doozy folks we really think you're going to enjoy it so sit back relax get your coffee get your corn pops sit in your pajamas and turn up and turn it up let's go
0: all right kyle let's go ahead and let's hit the the beginning of this whole thing so when i think of like 90s like you know tgif anything like that you know really influential figures in the 90s we think of the 90s dads Oh yeah no question so who who would you put in your top five of just he, you know influential characters of those TV show eras? You
1: know there are so many amazing sitcoms uh, that you could go off of, and you could also include a uh, you know cartoon figure uh, father figures as well. Um, there, you, you had a you had a real smorgasbord of them to go. Now now my now my number five uh, something now. Only because he was the only because he was not the star of the show. Uh, I actually have I have from Lanford, Illinois, Mr. Dan Connor of Roseanne, you know, played by the the great John Goodman, a Missouri native. Uh, He definitely was not the voice of reason. But whenever he had to step in and handle his business, for those who watched Roseanne, you got you already know. Uh, A perfect example, there was an episode where his sister in law, Jackie, played by Lori Metcalf, was uh, being abused in a relationship by a younger man. And she finally uh, opened up and admitted it, which that's also a great scene uh, for those who understand um, not being able to be open about um, abuse, about physical abuse. And everybody leaves, and he just stands in the kitchen, doesn't have to say anything. He looks around to make sure nobody sees what he's doing, grabs his jacket and walks out and handles his business like a man. I absolutely love that scene. And he was always the picture of strength for a blue-collar working class, you know, man who did he did he did jobs. He didn't want to, but he did what he had to do to take care of his family. Plus, how do you not love John Goodman? Come on now. So man, I'll he- tell you
0: the I'll tell you one thing. Not trying to overstep you on that one. But the 90s was notorious for making you get the feels like it's just crazy how many episodes of shows were just so rooted in problems at the time, you know, and that's what keeps you current as you discuss things that are happening in the real world. But it's just things like that that they approached and, you know, it, it always gave you the feels.
1: It was it was a, it was a very important time, especially also that started in like in the mid '80s, but really in the '90s, where you see that a show like Roseanne dealt with a lot of real world issues because it was very much grounded in reality. You know, people you know a a woman be, being beaten up in a relationship and being too afraid to be open about it because she's embarrassed, or you know, approaching the topic of weed and uh, homosexuality, things like that. It was very important to address those um but to put but to put a spin on them to where you where everybody understood the the context but once again that also this also comes from just an absolute love of everything John Goodman does he 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 is a magnificent actor and he's also the best version of Fred Flintstone you'll ever find <laughs> period
0: well uh, dude you can you can either love him or you can hate him that's the thing he plays a good hero but he also plays a fantastic villain
1: yes he does it's not often that he does play a villain but boy he he's one of those like you know what <sighs> I fucking hate that guy, you know, <laughs> but then he could turn around and just charm the pants off of, of you. Um, my number four, and I had to do a lot of rethinking over the weekend after being corrected and sternly looked at for not having this man in my top five. And it's simply because I was not the biggest fan of Full House because I felt the show was just not relatable to me and it was very hokey. But when you actually break down the heart to hearts that Danny Tanner would have with his three daughters as they grew up and being a widow and raising three, three girls, you gotta give, you gotta give him some, a lot of credit. So I will actually have Danny Tanner at my number four, despite not being highly familiar with uh, stories from, from the sitcom full house. But when you're breaking down how to approach, Raising girls as a man without that predominant female figure there, you got you got to give him a ton of credit. I just um, and once again we're talking about Danny Tanner, not Bob Saget, the state of the comedian who is the complete opposite in every possible way. Oh yeah, that, that was a whirlwind when I found out how how much of a dirty white boy Bob Saget
0: actually is. Like ew, ew, oh you
1: you you nasty. <laughs>
0: you know? Um, one that, of my favorite episodes he had, man, actually. <laughs> was a one of the bets where they had jesse and you know joey had downstairs to just put a pool table down there in their little recording studio and you know danny just wanted to hang out with the guys you know and it was always jesse like nah man danny, this, is, this isn't for you you know and the funny thing is at the end of the episode danny ends up showing jesse and with like being able to play billiards and he's like you want to play darts as a rematch <laughs> and it's just kind of like you know they end up pulling money out of Jesse, and he's like, "Thanks, Joey, for keeping your mouth shut."
1: <laughs> and plus, also, he had he had a really good supporting a support system of guys around him to help raise raise those girls too. With you know, goofy Uncle Joey and the coolest man on the planet, Jesse, and his hair. I honestly believe his hair is a sentient being that lives on its own. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and concede to uh to uh, Bob Saget on uh, Full House as my number four top TV dad of the decade. I'll go ahead and give that one. I'll be uh, honest, yeah, I actually
0: didn't make my list. Okay,
1: okay. I mean, granted, granted, there's so many good choices though.
0: Oh, some cool. of mine are gonna be far left field, man. So just
1: hey, no, this is these are our lists. They're completely subjective, folks, and we've all got. You know, you've got yours. We've got ours. This is all good fun. No one's trying to argue or anything like that. So, you know, we'll just keep it, keep it lighthearted. Now, you you got me to reevaluate this one because originally my number three was not on my list. Even though I love the character, I originally thought this dude kind of sucked as a dad. But upon talking to you over the weekend, you made a really good point that he had to he had to learn things uh, the hard way in order to become a better father. And that is Tim, the Toolman Taylor. You know, he originally, it seemed like he just, he he was a complete klutz and this ultra alpha man's man, but he had to learn lessons about how to raise his sons his way. And his way was always the hard way because more power, you know? And um, Uh, uh, uh. plus, you know, plus let's be honest, Jill Taylor ran that house. You know, the military brat totally... Um, maintained, um, main- she, she maintained order amongst amongst three boys and another grown boy and her husband. Because, oh, yeah. to be honest, if Tim ran unchecked, he would be causing all kinds of mayhem and shenanigans with those kids.
0: I don't know, we but, can always talk about the motorcycle mower. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: there are way too many accidents that he caused on that show, but you know, you're right, where when it came, when he had a great. Uh, He had a great sounding board to listen to and his neighbor, Wilson, who always provided him with wisdom, not just in regards to his kids, but also in regards to his marriage. Um, Tim was just very hard headed, but that was the dynamic that was supposed to be presented where you have the strong alpha female versus the strong alpha male who doesn't like change and is set in his ways and everything that that created the opportunity for that character to grow, mature and learn. And when you explained that to me, it it really made a lot more sense. Plus, I just wanted a reason to talk about home improvement. Let's be real here.
0: Uh, hey, nothing wrong with that.
1: Absolutely not. But I would definitely put Tim the Toolman Taylor in at number three. Um, also, the way he did handle um, uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas' character Randy after he had a they had the the cancer scare and he thought he was going to die, it really showed the the kind of heart that he had for his for his son. So that that that's a moment that really you know. Added some added some extra reason for me to put him on my list.
0: Well, uh, had number, a lot of candid moments with him, man. To be honest with you, because on the cancer scare. He had the episode where he moved down to the basement. That, was, a, that
1: was that was a, that's a very big step when you're that age and you get that kind of independence. That, that that's real, you know. It's different now. You I don't know if you if you had that going on when you at around that age because you only have one sibling. Well, on that show, there's two other ones. And you know Randy was the middle child, so when you do get that first slice of independence, and you're so far away from your parents in the house, it can be a little scary. Oh, it um, can. but but Tim definitely does get he deserves more credit than what than uh, what he got. And originally, I wasn't even going to give him that much, but you know you really you really helped um, broaden the scope a little bit, so I wanted to include him. My number two, we're going to go up to Chicago, Illinois. my man mr carl winslow from the chicago police department on family matters now i thought and you could also you could always talk to our our beloved friend mr matt whitworth i always told him that family matters was the white was the black full house that show seemed ultra hokey but when you look deeper into some of the episodes where carl really had to step in and be and be the father that he that was demanded of him one episode that stands out to me is whenever Eddie got racially profiled by another police officer.
0: I agree on that one. one.
1: That's a highly, as a highly strong episode and how, um, Carl was willing to go, th- he had to go through all the procedure. Eddie wanted immediate action taken for how his, uh, how his, uh, rights were violated. And, uh, the way that, and the way that show ended, if you haven't seen it, folks do check it out. um, because that's still a real problem that happens today, and it's not going away anytime soon. But Carl Winslow was not – at times, it seems like he was a bit of a caricature, especially when he was around the Urkel. You know, but – uh man was there for comic relief, dude, get when, real. When he needed to be the man, he sure stepped up, and he was the man. I honestly think Harriet ran that house, but – um, also, I come from a family where my mama ran, ran, ran the roost. So that's a little bit more relatable to me. But Carl Winslow definitely had a ton of strong moments as, as a father. And being, being a um, – be, be, and raising you know, raising a daughter as well who was coming of age and, and, and Laura and, and all of that, he, he definitely gets my heart and my high marks. Now, my number one, kind of a slam dunk, West Philadelphia, born and raised. We're heading out to Bel Air to Judge Philip Banks of uh, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Also, my man is the shredder. He's the voice of shredder. This man is my childhood. He is so many people's childhoods. Um, it started season one where Will and Carlton got racially profiled getting arrested for the idea that they stole, they stole a car, which it wasn't true. Uncle Phil went to that police station and aired everything out the way that he spoke to Will in the first episode where Will told him, you forgot who you are and where you came from. And he talks about how he heard Malcolm X speak. The the tone was set from the very first episode. You know, he and Will at first were antagonists, but then by the end of the series, he told him, you are my son, period. Just mm.
0: powerful stuff, man.
1: It's it's a masterclass in character development and relationship development between those two where will was this wide-eyed kid who thought he was just going to take over take over this you know new environment that he was in and um, and there were times where philip had to remind him yeah i've been living out here in bel-air it's a lot more swanky than what i grew up doing but i could still i could still get a little grimy when i need to the the pool hall episode the pool hustle
0: oh you're stealing my material now
1: oh am i now you already you got notes for this you know uh where he walks right in there. Jeffrey, breakout Lucille. Ah, That's one of the greatest moments in history of television, and nobody can convince me otherwise. Then you have the episode where, obviously, Will's father shows back up in the very end, where Philip told Will that if he walks out, I told you. And Will didn't want to believe it until it actually happened, and then they had the strong embrace. and I don't want to cry this early in the morning, but there, there's way the, the laundry list of... Of Uncle, of Uncle Phil being just immaculate and being the strength and the heart of that show, uh, there's way too many to mention. So he, those are my top five, but he is easily my number one. Now, I want to hear yours. I'm very interested. You said you got some some uh, off-kilter uh, selections. So I'm definitely interested. Let's hear it, man.
0: I have two that you didn't even throw a pitch to, man, but you stole oh. three of my starting lineup. That is just pure Bobo, man.
1: Oh, come on. The majority of people would have what
0: I got. I ah, know, but you even stole my favorite instance of Philip Banks. Dang it. Now I'm at the back off that.
1: <laughs> it's all good. Let's 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 all let's to right. the rundown.
0: All right. So, my bottom, my number five is actually going to be Frank Lambert from State by Step. So, man. Oh, love that show. So, the thing reason I liked Frank Lambert for it was because one, he had to put up the Code Man, had two smoking hot daughters. Get real on that. You You yeah, had boy. to have some. <laughs> really strong fortitude to handle that circus of a house man was a hard working man did carpentry did a lot for his family you know and was there for you know the moments of like you know when dana didn't get accepted into college he talked her down on that and said there's always going to be more chances you know that it doesn't end because you didn't get to go where you wanted to go and you know and then that's all that you know really anybody ever wants is just that confirmation of like hey it's okay And that was the thing about him. He was just the very understanding father of the group, you know?
1: Especially because Dana was not biologically his child and knowing how much pressure she put on herself when it came to her academics. And he just let her know there's other other opportunities out there. Just because this one didn't work out doesn't mean that there isn't something else that could potentially be better for you. Exactly. Plus, Patrick Duffy is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful actor. Um, For those Dallas fans out there. and also, did do you think Step by Step just had the absolute hottest cast of women?
0: It did, and it had a really good, you know, theme song. You know, thank you, Jeff Franklin mm-hmm. Productions.
1: Absolutely. So, so that's that's that.
0: You know, honestly, that's that's an excellent number five. I like that. Okay. So my number four is Tim Toolman Taylor. Obviously, I was going to put him higher up on the list, but there was just there's so many guys that I have more influential moments with on that on this list. But for him, like I said, the the cancer scare episode, uh, Randy moving to the bedroom, you know, obviously helping Mark whenever he was going through, you know, teenagehood, you know, going from, you know, the clean cut white kid to this punk rocker, you know, Tim Toolman was just very accepting and trying to help him kind of go through his life and give him the runs there. And then when Brad had his drug problem and whenever he would have those issues of him drinking and driving, he was there in a pinch. He was there with guidance and, you know, it kind of just showed just how caring a father he was for one, but you know he didn't just go out and scream and yell at the kids. He was like, "Hey, you screwed up. It's time to figure out where you're going to go from here."
1: Exactly. Also, he 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 educated and he parented in his own unique way that only he would understand, even if it wasn't polished, you know. Or or it's like when he took advice from Wilson. And he would try to interpret what Wilson said, and it would come out really ridiculous, and the audience would laugh. But you could tell he was trying, so okay, he, he, was and trying. he and he would, and he would apply that to the situation at hand. And you know, Tim was definitely, and I don't completely get it um, in terms of expressing it verbally. But when I have to be there physically, that you know, he he did a, he did a a really really good job as a parent to three rambunctious little boys
0: well think about the, all the episodes him working on the hot rod you know with brad yeah. and randy and everybody it, it's that's just,
1: that's big time bonding for him
0: well and that was where a lot of his conversations would happen at man you would see him turn a wrench and you know my father personally he was a man that turned the wrench i mean i learned a lot from him and that was kind of thing what made me relate to that show is you know you had those candid conversations while you're just working on something
1: I, I really, I really like that, like that breakdown, uh, Mr. Mosman. So, uh, you got the Toolman at number four. Who's your number three?
0: My number f- three, Kyle, would actually have to be Mr. Philip Banks. Reason why? Oh. I, pick, <laughs> I, I know I, I'm stealing one off your list now. So, the reason why I pick Philip Banks for one, just because the Lucille episode. You know, the man can literally go to the mean streets, deliver his own brand of justice, but also can deliver justice in the courtroom. And, you know, he's had such great character development over time. The man just, you know, like he said before, was perceived as an antagonist. And then slowly became that father figure for Will. I mean, and that's like I said, Will always wanted that acceptance. And, I mean, Philip was the one that gave him that fulfillment. And then, of course, you know, tied in with all the events with Carlton and everything else. And he's always been so supportive, even with, like, Hillary. Overall, he is just a good dad just it's hard not to say anything good about him he doesn't have anything bad in his character development the man literally was the support system in that house and depending on which aunt viv you had (laughs) and contrasted to him (laughs) it made for some really fun pairing
1: oh man you just had to bring that up huh also can we applaud the man for his for how far he could throw a human being when he threw jazz out of the house all the time
0: Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh poor jazz alright all right. who do you got at number two man dude at number two I have Dr. Jason Seaver so Growing Pains was one of those shows that started in the 80s you had a plethora of other shows going on at that time you had Night Court you had even Head of the Class this one stood out just because it was kind of a more family derived comedy a little better than Mr. Velveteer So, the thing I liked about Jason Seaver is he was a man that would talk through his problems. He was a therapist. He was a very, you know, philosophical kind of guy. Just really well-explained. You know, no-frills nonsense. And what he dealt with in a lot of the scenes were, one, obviously, his son, Mike, as troublesome as he is, constantly coming in late. He had to be able to handle and rein him in, you know, played by famous actor, Kurt Cameron. So, I mean... He's not so rambunctious anymore, Kyle.
1: Uh, Yeah, I think that's a stark contrast.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, And then, of course, you had his son, Ben. One of the episodes I really want to focus upon is the episode where he takes Ben to a concert to see one of his heroes. Well, he finds out that the guy that he's idolized really wasn't much of a hero. And then, you know, it was Jason's job to kind of explain, hey, people are not always what they appear to be. And, you know, that's okay. Because it doesn't mean you have to change yourself to... Be someone totally different you can take the good from that person that you've seen and then add and make yourself better and you know the other one of my favorite things is you know talking with mike is he's trying to figure out to should i go to college or should i do this should i go and teaching should i go into acting mike ends up running off to new york he comes back and jason's just like just welcome home no questions asked about anything else he puts his son's well-being first and foremost and, you know, with Carol, he, he had four kids running around. He had Mike, he had Ben, he had Carol, he had Christy. Man had his hands full. But for each kid, he had a prime moment of helping them, educating them, and kind of giving them guidance in life. You know, while Maggie was the working mom that was doing, you know, the news and doing everything else all across and was super-duper busy, Jason was the one that kind of really grounded the house. Sounds like he was the steady hand. They kept oh, he was.
1: Ready.
0: He was the wheelhouse in that sense. You know, man, it's just that was more of like this. It wasn't so much as a comedy. It was more of like a serious thing. Like you, you played with current events. You had obviously things that would happen in schools, you know, discuss violence. There, there was a wide range.
1: Well, that's an excellent choice, and very and very well ex- and very well explained and thoroughly researched. Once again, uh, Growing Pains is not a show that I, you know, had the ability to watch um, back when it's uh, back when it aired, but you know nowadays with streaming, there's no excuse if you're really interested. So, great choice at number two, and now we await drumroll, please. Blah, 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 blah. Who's your number one,
0: <laughs> Mr. Carl Winslow?
1: Hey, okay, not not now gonna get an argument out of this one.
0: So the reason why I put Carl my number one, the guy, out of all the dads I chose, had the, like, you know, he didn't give you a whole lot in the tank of what he knew on hand. Carl was a sleeper. He was there for those tight-knit moments, so one thing he handled was, you know, celebrity violence in, like, the first season, whenever it was uh, Mr. Corky supposedly said police brutality, and Carl was nowhere to be found. And eventually, in the end of the episode, Mr. Corky gets his comeuppance. And, you know, the scene where Eddie is at the club ends up getting roped into an outrageous bill and turns out, you know, that the owner's taking advantage of these younger kids coming into these clubs, you know, racking them up for these obscene amounts of money. And Carl comes in there, busts them up, brings, you know, the police and tote with him. And there's several instances where he's helped out. Uh, One of my more touching moments with Carl is uh, the gang episode. Where they ruin the restaurant. And, you know, here here we have everybody's mourning over that they've spray painted, you know, busted up the place. And Carl's the cool headed individual that's gonna say, hey, we're gonna get this figured out. It's not the end of the world, but we're gonna we're gonna take care of this. And you know, ends up working and hustling, getting these guys off the streets. There's just so many moments, you know. He's a father figure for Mr. Urkel, you know, he's got Eddie. And, of course, you know, <laughs> can't forget about Mr. Waldo, that, that Wal- guy.
1: Waldo, Geraldo, Faldo.
0: And, well, and, you know, it's he, he's just, like I said, a great dad. I, I mean, honestly, above all the ones on my list, he was the, the one that was there and took the most action in the timely manner. He carried himself very well. The man didn't let on like he was, like, I, I know what to do, what's going on. man was a glorified sleeper when it came to that. He just observed people he knew how to handle situations based on his you know police training he just sat there he observed the situation and then he knew how to act unless it was his mama and then he didn't sure as hell know how to act <laughs> so-
1: well i re- well, I really like your list man uh thank you for sh- thank you for sharing and uh, folks, if you have your choices for your favorite 90s TV dads feel free to let us know um, you know let us know sh-
0: either on social media or even just let us know it. Beards, brews, bros at gmail.com.
1: Yeah, we do have an official email email for the, uh, for the show where we will, we'll take questions, all kinds of comments, everything, whatever you got to bring to the table. And there are so many others that were that, that we, you know, left off the, off of our list. Uh, One, I originally wanted to to throw on there was, and this is just strictly out of sentimental uh, feelings for how much I love this show was the only Broadway producer, I don't know what that would have made my top five. Mr. Maxwell Sheffield from The Nanny. Uh, Anyone who knows me knows that show outside of the Golden Girls is about the most important show in my entire life. Uh, Absolutely love the way that I love the way that 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 show tied together, uh, bringing his widow into the fold um, towards the very end when he was struggling to, you know, let go of his marriage of his previous marriage so he can marry Fran where the ghost of his of his widow appears and she says, "I sent him, I sent her to you, but I didn't know about the voice though. That that threw me off. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he learned that it was okay to let go and be happy with someone else. So I, I love that. Um, you know, there were a couple other ones. One of my friends suggested I throw Al Bundy on there. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, no, no. He's on his own <laughs> list
0: of just savagery, man.
1: Al Bundy." <laughs> father figure, not even close.
0: I'll she be honest good, with you, the, the only one that I was going to throw out, and of course it's a cartoon because I'm a man that loves my cartoons, Mr. Hank Hill.
1: I, no, I love me some Hank. As a, Hank's not, Hank is a good dad. It's just that he has to overcome his own his own bad experiences being raised by Cotton in order to raise Bobby.
0: That's true though, but he's been there all the times with, you know, for example, you know, Sir with Love when he was doing the flashbacks teaching him about beef when he was really young he's like Mm -hmm. this is the tender part but this is also you know just goes in great very good detail with everything but you know cares about his son's development and you know tries to look out for him the one episode that sticks out to me is whenever bobby's doing the fashion show when the bullies show up and pelt everybody with donuts he gets him out of there he's like i know how bullies are and i know how plus size kids are with bullies (laughs)
1: Yeah. Uh, H- Hank had a very firm hand um, with Bobby. And I love I love how because of his very, very, very conservative values, everything that Bobby's into, Hank's can't accept. But because it does make his son happy, he, he embraces it at the very end because he realizes this isn't about how I feel. It's about how this makes my son
0: feel. Exactly. That's a great,
1: that, that's a fantastic analysis. Maybe we should do top five cartoon dads one day.
0: Man, I would definitely be up for that. There's tons of them you choose from, even serious cartoons to adult yeah. cartoons. I would be up for it.
1: Yeah. yeah. So, so folks, if you, if you'd like to see, if you'd like to see that, uh, let it, let us know once again by email or uh, shoot me a message on uh, social media, Facebook, uh, Twitter, whatever, you know, I'm, you know, I'm out there. Um, so So Moss, why don't you let us know what's uh,
0: next on the agenda? Well, the next thing on the agenda, while we're still cruising on, you know, the 90s nostalgia of television, let's go ahead and talk our top cartoon theme songs. I'm actually going to start this one off.
1: Yeah, yeah. Let it it rip because I want to hear this. I think I know a
0: few of yours anyway. So number five on my list, (laughs) Dragon Ball Z. Rock the Dragon. Fantastic theme song. Get you up and pumped. You know, just that riff is just leading into it. And, and most of the cartoons in the 90s had a really driving guitar riff, you know, come to think of it.
1: That is because guitar makes everything better. It's science.
0: It is. It's scientifically proven. <laughs> so along with, you know, the storytelling of the show, the show was just super action-packed and, you know, full of adventure. You had to have a badass theme song for it. So you know who they tapped for it? Mr. Ron
1: Washerman. Ron Washerman.
0: <laughs> Man gonna- cannot make a bad theme song. You're making you're.
1: I'm really having to fight the urge not to hum the song right now because I'm just like it's in my head and I'm just like, Ugh. it's like a try not to laugh challenge. I try not to try not to jam challenge.
0: Well, I was trying to spare the people of me humming and carrying on, so <laughs> right. but that's the, now, now that's that's a hot start. So you're setting the bar high for years. Oh, uh, so I'm moving it up even higher here. So you know, all those times when you wanted to be the very best, like no one ever was, and to catch them, I, I, just the only real test and train them is my cause.
1: Are, are, are you going somewhere
0: with this? I am. Because Pokemon, <laughs> man, you got to catch them all. One of the greatest mm-hmm. theme songs of all time. I don't know. I think the Poke rap might be better than the theme
1: song to the cartoon. <laughs> oh, dude, don't even.
0: Just, you know, it got you up and going. I mean, it just was, you know, it. you had to fight to sing along to it anytime it came on. True. And, you know, that's what you want in a TV show. You want them... You want the kids to be able to get up and dance around and raise hell where the kids are like, sit the fuck down.
1: (laughs) (laughs) See, I was at least allowed to watch Pokemon in my mom's house now, another show that you absolutely love.
0: I wasn't allowed to watch, but we'll get into that soon. Oh, yeah. You know that's on my list for days. Anyway, Mm -hmm. so the next one, this one might be a shocker for you, Darkwing Duck. Let's get dangerous. That ain't no shocker. Come on now. For me on my list, you know how many cartoons that I have watched over the years that I would just – there's too much
1: (laughs) i I need a top
0: 100 at this (laughs) rate
1: we were a true
0: spoiled generation that way we were a generation of instant gratification you were exactly right (laughs) but you know what the fact is at least out of our music we always had the build-up and the release (laughs) unlike most music these days (laughs) to be real
1: See, I'm back here. I'm, I'm sitting there singing the singing the thinking Dark Ducks." So I'm like, "Oh, it's so freaking good. Why is it so good?
0: Well, why did call DW man. have to go that hard for kids? Well, it's just a crazy thing, man. Just uh, the people that were producing these songs at that time, they were trying to figure out something that would get the kids hooked that would like, you know be so catchy in the lyrics. That, you know, it's going to, not one, drive the parents crazy, but two, the kids are going to go freaking ape shit for.
1: Yeah, because those songs are complete earworms. I mean, let's get dangerous. Uh Oh, so good.
0: All right, man. My number two, you, you probably can already figure it out, opens up with, you know, the classic line of just the TV show and then a crazy guitar riff, Skeleton Warriors.
1: Now, not a lot of people are not familiar with that cartoon. Now, until I met you, I wasn't familiar with it. But I, you know, I got to sit down and watch some episodes and listen to that opening, that opening theme song. I would have been super pumped as a kid watching that. If oh, I, oh
0: dude, I would get up every time it would come on. As soon as you hear the the pretty much the narrator come up and say, "These are the tales of the skeleton warriors," and then you'd hear that freaking whammy bar dive, and then it would just carry in right into the song. Oh man, it was crazy. And then you had the background, you know, voice acting with it as well. And just the buildup of the song. It, towards the very end, you know, whenever he says he's leading in the battle cry for the Legion of Light, and you hear that tear back in with that solo, that, da, 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 da. you know, that just, oh, it's so explosive. It gives me hey, chills you, just thinking about it.
1: You, you need to wipe up after talking about it like that? Jeez.
0: Oh, dude, it, it's just the buildup. This is just, we're, we're, we're just getting to the main course. you know, the top tier theme song. Theme songs that have set, you know, the world ablaze and that is internationally known. Mr. Ron Washerman, I appreciate everything you've done. The Mind, Morphin, Power, Interest theme song. And you, I don't really think anything else needs to be said after that. I really don't. That right there, he just, <sighs> that tearing in, you know, the goofy thing, like we said, talked last week, the guy wasn't a guitar player, but as soon as you heard that guitar lick come in, that build up, oh, oh my God, you, you were just pumped. You were tearing up the room. You were yelling out your favorite Ranger, you know, it's going, it's Morphin' time and just going shit crazy for, you know, the next couple minutes until finally it settled down. Then you're like, oh, okay, the show's on. And then when it came down to the morphin' sequence, then you were going crazy again. You were just flipping shit around, trying to karate kick in your front room until your mom got on to you for breaking the lamp. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, none of the fact that you did it, that is not even a surprise. Man,
0: I could tell you, like, there is so much stuff rooted in Power Rangers for me. It, it's, it is definitely, and I'm going to be honest with you, it is already, you know, we're going to be going into our cartoon lineup next. That is my number one.
1: It's not. It's not animated, though.
0: Hold on, that's not animated. Oh, hold on, there, though, Mister. There is CGI animation. It's rough, but it is there. So okay, so we're
1: giving that a pass. Okay, that's fine. I'll, I'll concede to that because of how much Power Rangers means to you. So that those are. So that's Jay Moss's top 90s cartoon theme songs, folks. So we want to hear yours. Um, now I'll go. I'll get into mine. Now, I'm very disappointed in you, sir, for leaving a few of these out. And our, and uh, Mr. Whitworth would be very disappointed in you for leaving a couple of select ones out as well. But my number five, because I'm going Disney tunes. It's uh, and I and I hated to leave Darkwing Duck out because first off, that song that show also proved everything is better with saxophone for the oh, outro. Yeah. But no song from a Disney tune makes me want to get up and shake my ass more than side to side than tailspin.
0: Uh, see, like, I wasn't much in the tailspin. That was the only thing with me. Oh, That's why man. I left it off my list.
1: Miss out just the way it just makes you want to makes you go side to side if you got hips, and I know you don't. But um, there ain't no uh, rhythm we'll see, there, man. We'll see that at your wedding, in February. Uh,
0: <laughs> you betcha. But uh,
1: the tailspin just like the, the song is better than the show, and the cartoon was not uh, wasn't bad by any means, but. I chose that one, and I had to cut out some other ones. Like I said, Darkwing Duck. I had to leave Chippendale Rescue Rangers off, DuckTales, and dang it, there's so many good ones. It's not fair. I had to leave Gargoyles off. That's one of my Man, favorite really? of all time. But And I love just how dark and brooding that was, but just the way that... Tails made make me want to get up and dance, and if I feel really good about myself, I know I'm going to get a positive experience watching this show, and it's going to be fun and energetic. So that's my number five. My number four... Goes back to the old adage that guitar makes everything better, and Joe Perry doing the Spider Man the animated series for uh, for us little kids was just was was an embarrassment of riches to how how good we had it.
0: And guys, just oh. in case you didn't know, during that time, whenever he was doing that theme song, he actually had left Aerosmith at that point and was doing the Joe Perry project. See that I did not know. No, that yeah, that was, was the only reason why we ever got that for is because at that point in time, him and Steven Tyler were on the outs. It was you know. Mid-90s, you had all that BS with the Toxic Twins, and you know what? He wanted to show that he could produce an album. It didn't do as well as he thought it would, but it was still, you know, iconic. But that was the reason why we ever got that theme song. He wasn't contractually obligated to do anything since he wasn't with Aerosmith.
1: See now, and no, that that's
0: really fascinating. But it makes sense because he had no uh, contractual
1: obligations to the band, so he was free to do whatever he wanted. But the way the Spider Man always got me just ultra jacked, ultra jacked. Um, moving on to my number th- to my number three, I, you're you're gonna hurt. But I am
0: picking Mighty Morphin Power Rangers at number three. Oh, that, that hurt me just knowing it's not in the number one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there's, it's, it's and there's too many options here. Uh, once again, I had to go to my friend's house to watch Power Rangers. My mother absolutely hated it. Um, still does to this day, despite it's still overwhelming popularity worldwide. Um, so. You know, let let, let me let me be great with that one. But the way you get jazzed up, you'd hear, and it wasn't just the Power Rangers theme song. It was the five for one. It was the song where the Zords came together to form Megazord. And then you also had "Go Green Ranger, Go White Ranger, Tiger Power." We need a hero. So many songs, Um, and only because of you do I know the actual names of those.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah, because dude, the whole thing was they had a Rock Odyssey album that was just pretty much music from the TV show and stuff, like, you know, I Know a Place, that was another one that was good, you know, and the guy gave us, like, the composition for Turbo, and then you can't go wrong with Power Rangers in Space, either. That, like, that, that, that's a great one.
1: Tr- truthfully, that is a great um, variation of the Power Rangers theme song, is the In Space version. Man, my number two... Theme song, man. My number two has no words, doesn't need any. Batman, the Animated Series. I'll give you that one. And definitely... also, that show won a daytime freaking Emmy. Like, come on, man. And this was Danny Elfman. You know? Oh, yeah. That Didn't was early Danny that. Elfman
0: at that. Didn't have to go that hard for kids,
1: but here we are, overly spoiled. And also, when you combined the animation of the opening, the opening to the show, everything just ties together so well. It's beautiful, dark and brooding, and makes and it makes you excited to see what adventures Batman's about to go on. But my number one, and it's another Ron Wasserman special, uh, debuting on on Halloween nineteen ninety two, X Men the animated series.
0: See, I know you were going to go that route. Well, okay, I knew you're going to go Power Rangers, and there's nothing
1: wrong with that. Once oh, again, no, Ron no. Wasserman was being being a G for everybody.
0: You know the one thing that Mr. Whitworth will take us out in the knees for? You know one cartoon neither one of us put on our list? Street Sharks? No. TMNT.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Once again, dude,
0: too many choices. <laughs> we need a top 100. That's what it is. <laughs> top 100. Well, I think so many before- cartoons between 1990 up until 2000. I mean, we yeah. could fill a list. <laughs>
1: Like, literally, and like, think about this. We didn't mention anything from Nickelodeon.
0: No, this is strictly just part of the four major networks. So, if we, we, most of the stuff we listed and talked about were either on Fox, ABC, CBS, or NBC.
1: Da, 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 da. Like, when you hear, when you heard that, now I, I, now I pretend that season five did not happen of X Men.
0: It didn't, it, was, it doesn't exist just like the it Mario movie.
1: Now, what will get the kicker, folks, is if you actually look up the X Men intro for the Japanese show, it might be better. It's it's ultra intense and it's super metal. But uh, for over here in the states, you get to watch X Men: The Animated Series, and you hear that music, and you're 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 immediately jazzed up, and you're pumped to see see the X Men take on the Brotherhood or whoever else. Um, oh man, like there are literally so many. Like I almost put Hey Arnold on mine because I love me some Hey Arnold. See, and I know, was trying uh, to
0: just stick to the core of like having to, you know, the old school before any of us had cable or satellite.
1: In fairness, yeah, because not a lot of us did not have did not have cable or satellite uh, growing up. That was that back then that was considered a luxury.
0: Oh, it was because in those days you still had the antenna. And honestly, at my house, I still have an antenna outside. It's not used, but
1: it's, it's still here. <laughs> Well, you had a great list and hopefully everybody, you know, enjoys what, you know, our musings and our recollections of what those songs mean to us. Um, but once again, there are so many. Like if you take away, uh, take away Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon and you you still have an embarrassment of riches. I could have chose Recess, but I love the way that one makes me feel for for Saturday mornings or even uh, Sat AM Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, Dude what well, was another one
0: Let's go ahead and dive into our cartoon lineup so what was your five cartoons you watched on the four major, four major networks back in the day man
1: Now, I now I actually did not have uh, CBS as a clear channel so I really didn't get to enjoy it as much but if I did have to pick one obviously it was a TMNT that was my that was about the only one I did watch on there uh, for ABC be I'm definitely a one Saturday morning kid. Because that was my clear channel was uh, ABC channel fifteen KPOB Papa Buff. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Why do I remember that so well? I'm kind of embarrassed I do. Uh, definitely recess. Uh, the new adventures of Winnie the Pooh was something I religiously watched on on there. Uh, also, I also I was a really big fan of the Bugs Bunny and Tweety show.
0: Oh, can't go classic animation, man. Get no, real.
1: not not in the least, and especially because I didn't I didn't have access to you know looney tunes younger so all of the old stuff felt fresh to me you know so that so that made it really special was the fact that all of that felt so new um and my other and my other two were easily uh were easily x-men and spider-man on uh, on fox kids so, because at my house couldn't watch power rangers but i had those two this is honorable honorable mentions being the tick uh and and bobby's world
0: Oh, definitely. You know, two Fox titles. I mean, that's definitely one of the few. And the the Louis show was even another one back in the day. Mm -hmm. The old Louis Anderson show. So my my list is just slightly a little bit different. We share a lot of the same stuff on there. So, you know, bottom of my tier was Garfield and Friends. I was a CBS and Fox kid mostly. So we had Garfield and Friends was one I would watch on CBS Network – same channel, you had TMNT that was kind of the, the th- bread and butter there in that lineup. Then we would jump over to Fox because on Fox you'd have Power Rangers, Digimon, and then of course, I, by the time I finished those few cartoons, Recess would be on ABC. So that's how I would close up my Saturday morning.
1: Oh, uh, that's, that's a beautiful lineup. Uh, once again, there there's absolutely no wrong answers to whatsoever. Uh, just within those four because NBC, I really did not have, I really don't watch cartoons on there um cbs once again it was mainly teenage mutant ninja turtles because i was i didn't know the other ones and there's other choices that we left off from like abc we left off reboot <laughs> for crying yeah. out loud and you own you own the dvd collection of reboot
0: i'll be honest with you though, i didn't watch reboot until it was on tsunami on cartoon Network. oh
1: wow okay okay so you're a little you 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 got into it after it ran it's uh it's uh, course another show i left off from abc was bumping the night uh yeah. That was another one. I know my, my sisters would definitely recognize that one. A Street old Sharks, Mr. man. Street Sharks is another really good one. Like The action cartoons were more set aside for me. You know, I don't really know if anybody else in my house was watching that stuff. But Recess was an absolute goldmine and still is. And, of course, you can watch it on Disney Plus nowadays. Just like you can watch about anything on Disney Plus.
0: Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah. You know, Pepper Ann's on there, too, man. We left that off there. Pepper Ann,
1: honestly, is a show that I did, I did not I did not know how to appreciate. But then again, looking back, I uh, I was not the target audience.
0: Well, it's a hidden gem, man. I mean, a lot of people don't know about it and people didn't really give it the time of day. And then, of course, you had the spinoff shows of the cast of Recess doing voice work. Yeah, Lloyd in Space, that was another one that came on. I love
1: Lloyd in Space. And uh, Fillmore,
0: of course, that one made you kind of think a little bit too.
1: Okay, Fillmore, okay, I got to run this by you because I know you're definitely out of the internet loop these days. There is, a, there is a scene in Fillmore that I had no idea was this damn hilarious where he closes the, his garage on this girl from school, and I guess she served him some chicken And he and the last thing he said before the garage door closed on her, and he said, Oh, yeah, that chicken was dry, real dry. That is uh, that is low key so damn savage.
0: (laughs) Well, dude, I mean, mean, anything's on the internet, and, and folks, just in case you don't know, I am like a ghost, I don't do anything with social media. This is the most I have been out in the world in the last several years,
1: so. We miss you out here. <laughs> I, I'm
0: fine over here, just hiding yeah. off in my corner of the universe, you know. Oh, I
1: know, just missing out on some missing out on some delicious meme material and everything. Well, well that's, that's what I, so I got that, you I'm for, like, man. Yeah.
0: You, you you fill me in on all this.
1: And I'm like, wait a minute, I don't remember this. So I go and I'm and I'm checking out the YouTube comments and folks are just rolling over, dying of laughter. I'm like, wow. Well the episode,
0: if I'm not mistaken, it's actually the commissioner, it's there. It's it's the lady that's over the safety patrol. And that was the whole thing.
1: I'd have to find that again. I don't even know if that's on Disney Plus. It probably should be because uh, at the time, I think Disney had bought ABC. So you know, I think that's what, I think that would be there. But it's eventually going to be
0: there. We'll probably have to wait for it, just like some of the other ones. But you know, the thing is with Disney, they they listen to a degree on what you want, so we'll eventually <laughs> have something.
1: No, you know, you know how they don't fully
0: listen. Did you know on Disney Plus in in Europe?
1: The Golden Girls are on
0: there. Well, I got it on Hulu. I'm not really super worried.
1: I do, too. But dang it, they're Disney princesses, but only in Europe, not here. And that
0: is doo-doo. <laughs> <laughs> I, I need you to write a very angry letter, a very well-spoken but angry letter to them, Kyle.
1: I mean, you you got to make it happen before
0: Betty White turns 100 in January. I mean, if Princess Leia is a Disney princess, why the hell not? Mm,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, our our, our cartoons mean a lot, meant a lot to us as kids, and they still do as adults, especially as fathers now. And, you know, we can uh, have those experiences to share with our children. I'm still trying to get uh, Michelle, my daughter, into a little bit more of the cartoons I like. Now, she did watch a little bit of Spider-Man with me, 90s Spider-Man, which was cool. Uh, but she, for the most part, sticks to, you know, what she likes. And, it, you know, her bedroom has Paw Patrol all up in it, so that tells you enough right there.
0: Oh, yeah, man. I mean, that's the biggest thing there. I, I've been trying to slowly, yet surely kind of bleed it into my children there. Like, hey, here's here's something I used to watch. You know, trying yeah. to be sly, but I'll be honest with you, nothing really sticks. I mean, we've had a discussion last week about the Power Inch fiasco. I've about lost all hope.
1: <laughs> oh, well, you know, just, just you you take what you can get out of it.
0: Exactly. Now, if it's Cocoa melon, oh, you betcha, that's on in the house. <laughs>
1: Coco Melon is not on in this house. <laughs>
0: oh, it's on at this house. That and Baby Bum. Oh,
1: no, uh, Pokoyo is one that gets played here. Uh, Did you
0: ever feel like children's programming these days is almost like brainwashing in a way? Ours was.
1: It's it, it's every dude. It's every decade. That's that's not new. It's just it's just framed differently. Muppet Babies, bro. Muppet oh, Babies.
0: Ah. Babies. Oh.
1: Think about that.
0: Uh, okay. Dude, I remember when they used to come on the same block as Ed Grimley, and then you had the ALF show, and then you had, like, actually the ALF cartoon.
1: I don't remember the ALF cartoon.
0: Now show showing my age, and I'm younger than you. That's the sad reality of it.
1: <laughs> well, you probably had access to that where I didn't, where I was watching, like, Eureka's Castle on, uh, on Nickelodeon in the mornings and Muppet Babies and uh, uh, on PBS watching Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego.
0: Oh, dude, this was a thing back in the day. So uh, the funny thing, the cartoon catalog that I had, I also got my sisters as well, because back in those days, my folks would pretty much put everything on VHS. So we had 80s cartoons. We had Rainbow Bright to watch. We had a plethora of options. and It was one of those things, if cartoons wasn't on on regular television, you bet you there was a VHS and RVCR. I was watching <laughs> cartoons.
1: Now the things that we had on VHS were not cartoons. They were they were uh, music videos recorded straight off of BET. Oh so man! That, 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 doesn't, that doesn't give a uh, give a, a stark contrast into uh, how different our upbringings were, right there. Actually, I think the only movie we had uh, recorded on a VHS was Toy Story.
0: See, I remember getting toy story for one of my birthdays. That was the only thing. So, like, when we had our little family gathering, my mom always tried to tie in, like, oh, hey, you know, it's Thanksgiving. Here's Jared's birthday. Hey, everybody's here to have some cake. And I'm just like, eventually, Mom, I'm tired of having birthdays at Thanksgiving. Can we just stop?
1: <laughs> that That's kind of... <laughs> that That's like having a birthday tie with Christmas, right?
0: Oh, dude, it's freaking terrible because I feel like you're trapping people at that party at that point. You just... It's like... I know you don't want to have to worry about inviting people and having people there. It's like, but I would like people my own age there, please. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: folks, you know, like I know we really appreciate y'all checking us out and, and listening to, um, us ramble about, um, I was waxing poetic before we hit puberty and got old. But, um, you know, uh, I'm really interested to see about, about our retro rewind, our very first retro rewind segment. And you you dug deep into the archives for this one. Oh, now, man. This, I... is a, now, this is a cartoon I have never watched before. And I also discovered it, it was a Canadian cartoon just recently. Like most but
0: things.
1: I, but I did play the video game that this, that this uh, was uh, spawned out of made by EA Sports back in the mid-90s. So why don't you fill us in with our
0: first Retro Rewind? Well, to quote the Mr. Jim Cornette, we're about to go from the penthouse to the outhouse. I had really high hopes for this, but, you know, Mutant League was based, obviously, off of a video game, and, you know, trying to catch on the popularity of the game, they decided, like most people, let's make a video game out of it, you know? Or go from a video game and let's make a TV show. So... The initial run of this show was only from like 94 to 96. So it had two years it was on the air, two seasons, 40 episodes. But man, so, you know, at the time, this came out about the same time as Reboot. You had people trying to do 3D layouts for their transitions and everything else. And it just, this was a show that they just tried too hard to make it appeal to an audience. So the main character in this whole series is called Bones Justice. He's trying to figure out the reason why his father had died and what was tied into the Mutant League. You know, really grim opening for a cartoon for a kid show, right? And the theme itself was pretty dark. It was an orchestral version that was, like, super, you know, ominous and, you know, broody. And then there actually was a second show when they changed the rights. Funny thing, you know, it was a show owned by EA. Whenever it got reproduced, they didn't let them have the rights for the song. So they had to use a very almost 90s-esque, like, beatbox-style opening. So the problem I had with it was you see the same issues with a lot of low-grade shows, recycled animation, bad mouthing. You're trying too hard to appeal to the target audience. And to be honest with you, you know, you're trying to hype up something that happened, you know, you had a game based on, you know? It just, to me, and I know, I'm probably jaded for the fact of my selection of cartoons. You know, I'm not a big sports guy. I've become one over the years. But to me, it just tried way too hard to try to pull people in with the coal factor. Just not enough substance in, you know, the overall work. The story sounded like it was going to be good, you know, just, you know, quest for vengeance. But really the only guy that escaped that show with nothing on him. Was a guy that later on went down the road and did the voice of Tentamon for the Digimon show. Other than that, I really can't find a whole lot of voice actors. Like I can't even find the guy that did the voice of Bones Justice. Like that's how obscure this title has become.
1: Up until you mentioned, until you mentioned it to me, I had no idea that this was ever a cartoon. I just remembered the, uh, I just remembered the video game that EA had released, and it played just like the Madden football games at the time. But uh, but it ha- but there were uh, weapons on the field, landmines on the on the field or the crater, because sometimes the field had like a it was like a moon surface and your players could explode and die.
0: <laughs> Speaking of that violence, man, the funny thing in the show, the opening scene, you have like Bones Justice actually running along and he lobs a guy's head off like, you know, violence in those days is what's crazy. You wouldn't see that in a kid's cartoon today.
1: You literally can see the
0: spinal cord and, you know, everything else when they take the head like clean off like it's like a slice of meat. I was genuinely shocked when I saw the
1: opening, you know, even by 90s things like, wow, this is really pushing it. Um, So (laughs) I thought, but you know what? But as a kid, this is something I would have really enjoyed watching if nobody was around, because there's no chance in hell that my mama would have let me watch this if she had seen it, not a word
0: actually was put on it. What's what's that? It was briefly ran on NBC. The comical thing. The network that we never watched.
1: (laughs) NBC was very much a family network. I don't even know how something like that would have made air
0: then. It was just a very stinted run, man. Like I said, people that wanted to latch on to the popularity of video games being made into cartoons and movies, that was just it. It, I mean, that's all it really was. You know, you had two seasons of it, but, you know, the funny thing, they already had most of this stuff done because, one, you just recycled the same animation. And it's, it's annoying, you know, when you start seeing, like, little things later on in life that you may not have noticed as a kid. Like, you'd be like, oh, well, he's not supposed to be playing for this team. Well, why is he wearing that logo if he's playing for somebody else? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you end up seeing the same scene four episodes later. It's just stuff like that that kind of turns you off on a TV show.
1: Just It sounds like the show just ran on a really small budget and had no choice but to recycle a lot of animations just to keep content remotely fresh. And since you've already got all these episodes in the can, you got to get them out, even if you're using a lot of the same shit over and over again. you still got to get it out.
0: You know, the funny thing is, it just sounds just like EA's formula for making video games, does it not? <laughs>
1: Sadly, and uh, that's a that, that's a soapbox for me for a whole another day. Even though I'm probably going to wind up buying NHL 22 at some point because it actually switched game engines. Thank freaking God!
0: Uh, well, but, it
1: took them long I, enough.
0: But that's a whole other story for another day.
1: Exactly. We're talking about Mutant League here. Uh, there are episodes on YouTube if you're looking to check out a niche cartoon from a decade that really uh, that really uh, encouraged the uh, you know trying different things. And Mutant League was definitely in the different category. But uh, the Mutant League football game does have a uh, – de- definitely is fallen under, under the category of a cult classic. It even got a remake this year. Oh, um, great game. And, it's a
0: terrible show.
1: Uh, yeah, and, and the game is – and the remake is a Mutant League football dynasty edition, which released uh, in 2020. And it is as gruesome and barbaric as you can imagine a game with that kind of uh, – what that kind of concept would be so if you're looking if you're looking for if you're looking for a niche and you want to play sports a sports game without actually thinking there that's that's your jam
0: i mean honestly dude i'll stick to punch basketball any day of the week on the nest <laughs> you talking about arch rivals uh-huh you betcha
1: oh my god well that, that could be something else that we address down the line. Uh, your favorite uh, your favorite arcade-style sports games. A uh, beat-em-up, yet another
0: sports games. <laughs> where,
1: where, you where you get your athletic feel, but you don't have to think about do, – you don't actually have to think strategy.
0: Exactly. And, guys, once again, we would definitely like to hear from you. We're going to keep doing this Retro Rewind segment every week. It'll be at the very tail end. Always send anything you think we might want to review even. Just send it over to BeardsBrewsBros at gmail.com. And we'd be more than happy to scope it out and see, see kind of what the buzz is, or if it's something totally you know out in the dark that we've never even heard of. of I'm all for reviewing it.
1: Yeah, completely. We'll, we'll, we'll dig, we'll dig up the most obscure shit that y- that you suggest. Be- believe, believe you me, we will.
0: Well, guys, I hate to say it, but it's time for the end of the day. And always remember, be kind. Please rewind. <laughs>
1: Um, Goodbye, y'all. Well, 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 y'all take care. We'll see you next week.